You're listening to Social Science Fiction, a podcast that blends political science and nerd culture, examining the politics of science fiction and fantasy. Hey there, welcome to Social Science Fiction. Happy Thanksgiving to all of my American listeners. Happy belated Thanksgiving to my Canadian listeners. And to anybody listening anywhere else in the world, happy end of November. So, sadly, short episode this week. As it turns out, quarantine holidays are still busy and time-consuming, so not as much time this week. But in honor of the occasion, I will be talking about the Thanksgiving episode of one of my favorite shows of all time. And as a bonus, I'll be throwing in some content that got cut from my recent discussion with my brother Adam, where we just kind of started riffing on a whole bunch of topics. So that's the plan for this week. So let's get to it. I wanted to do something Thanksgiving-y for this episode, and as I started thinking about it, I realized it's really hard to find something Thanksgiving-themed to do for this show. Not a lot of sci-fi or fantasy TV shows really do Thanksgiving episodes. I'm sure if I had the time, I could have come up with some political topic that relates to Thanksgiving and European colonialism in North America and relate that to some sci-fi topic. But again, kind of busy this week. So instead I thought about it and realized there is one show that fits within the stuff I talk about that actually did a Thanksgiving episode and we're talking about that. And that show is Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I've talked about this show before, one of my favorites, and Buffy did exactly one Thanksgiving episode, which is weird in itself. Outside of sitcoms, where it's all about family and friends getting together, I can't think of any shows that do Thanksgiving episodes, but Buffy did one. And so figured I'd talk about that this week. And I'll just start by saying I like this episode. The Thanksgiving episode comes in season four, which in my opinion is the best season of the series. You have the main characters going off to college, sort of breaking with the high school setting, putting them in new situations. I think the season is great, too, because it just has a lot of character growth. You see the characters sort of changing and evolving as they go off to college. You have Giles figuring out what he's going to do now that he's no longer their high school librarian and Buffy doesn't need him quite so much anymore. It's just a fun season in general. And this episode was really solid. And it's interesting for a Thanksgiving episode because it's the one Thanksgiving episode I can think of in any show. And again, the only other Thanksgiving episodes I can think of are in things like Friends and Seinfeld. But it's really the only Thanksgiving episode I can think of a show doing where it goes out of its way to explicitly recognize sort of the darker side of Thanksgiving and the whole European Native American dynamic. The episode is basically built around acknowledging the atrocities that were committed by European settlers. And so if you're not familiar with the episode, the premise is UC Sunnydale, the university in Sunnydale that Buffy and Willow end up going to, is breaking ground on a new academic building. And during the excavation, they discover under the ground is the ruins of an old Spanish mission. And in accidentally unearthing these ruins, they release the spirit of a Native American tribe that was abused and persecuted by settlers in what is now Sunnydale and the spirit goes out seeking vengeance, and Buffy and the Scooby gang have to figure out how to deal with it. So the whole episode, based around acknowledging, yeah, the European settlers did horrible things, and it had serious repercussions. So interesting and kind of cool, the episode acknowledges that, says, yeah, we're going to talk about Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about, you know, the bad stuff that kind of came after the nice, sweet Thanksgiving story. 
But on the other hand, this is an episode where I was never totally sure what the writers were going for. Like, what is the message they're trying to get across? And I realize this is a thing I have. I'm constantly obsessing over what message the writer intends. Maybe I should just spend more time thinking about what message I take away from it. But I like thinking about what the writers are getting at in a show. And it was never clear to me exactly what the writers were going for here. Simply because while the episode premises itself on abuses towards Native Americans and knowing Joss Whedon, the creator of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, knowing he's a fairly liberal left-wing person, his politics tend to skew left, you expect the message to be very anti-European colonialism, pro-Native American. The episode doesn't always come off that way. While it acknowledges, yeah, these things happened, this episode also casts the spirit of the Native Americans as the villain, or at least the antagonist. There, It's left at least slightly ambiguous about how we're supposed to feel about this spirit, but he is the antagonist. He goes out and starts enacting revenge. He kills innocent people who had nothing to do with European colonialism. He kills a woman who's running the university's cultural center or something. He kills a priest, I think. And the explanation is he just woke up. He doesn't realize that times have changed. He doesn't realize that the people he's hurting are generations removed from the injustices that were done to his people and so on. He doesn't realize that the people he's harming are innocent. But he's still clearly the antagonist. It's a force that Buffy has to overcome. The things he does are not good. Innocent people get killed. And further... The one character that's consistently speaking out on this spirit's behalf and consistently emphasizing the atrocities of European settlers and then later American settlers as they move west, the one character that's emphasizing these things, the one character who's expressing sympathy for this spirit is Willow. But the thing is, she's kind of portrayed in this episode as being obnoxious about it and sort of pretentious, unwilling to compromise, closed-minded about her views. It's it's weird. And, and I will say, in terms of character development, this makes sense. Again, this season is everybody's first year in college, and sort of the, the larger theme of the season is how people change as they grow older, how people can often grow apart as they start college. During the season, we see these three friends, Willow, Xander, Buffy, who were so close in high school, kind of drifting apart. Buffy gets wrapped up in her boyfriend and the stuff that's going on with him and her Slayer stuff, and so she starts focusing on that. Willow gets wrapped up in the college lifestyle. She's loving being in school and exploring that and enjoying her freedom and also realizing that she's gay and having her own relationship and exploring that. And Xander is kind of developing this chip on his shoulder because he's not going to college and you can tell he's kind of struggling with feelings of inadequacy and also maybe to some degree resenting his friends who he's afraid are going off and moving on to bigger and better things and leaving him. And you see points, times where you almost get Xander's point it does seem like you do almost get the sense Willow and Buffy are kind of looking down on Xander and thinking they're very cool that they're in college and Xander isn't and so on. And so this is great stuff in terms of character development. It's all very real. It's all fun to watch. And so it makes sense for Willow's character in this episode to be portrayed as sort of the pretentious 
kind of arrogant freshman undergrad who's taken a few college courses and now thinks she's got the whole world figured out. And, you know, she just learned about the atrocities by European and American settlers last week, but now she's the expert. She knows all about it and she's going to tell everybody how things are and how things go and so on. So it makes sense that she's portrayed as sort of obnoxious and a little just over the top in this episode. It fits for her character arc. It fits for where she's going as a character. And it does set up good character-driven conflict between these characters where we see Giles, who's just no-nonsense watcher, just wants to slay the demon or the spirit and save lives and that's it. And Willow, who's determined to sympathize with them. And Buffy, who just wants a nice Thanksgiving because she's missing her family and so on. So it all fits for the characters. It fits for the conflict you're trying to set up. It all works, but it does leave you wondering, like, what are the writers trying to say about this history? This history of how Native Americans were treated by Europeans and later by American settlers. If, you know, we're going to acknowledge these horrible things happened, but we're also going to cast the Native American as sort of the bad guy and the only character who's really speaking for him and his perspective is portrayed as kind of obnoxious. It's just an interesting episode in terms of the themes and messaging. And then towards the end of the episode, we have Spike, who's... You know, he's a bad guy, sort of, but he's starting to become a good guy in this season, at least become sort of as part of the Scooby gang, and we all like him and cheer for him, even when we were annoyed by him. But we have Spike towards the end of the episode, kind of dismissing Willow and saying, oh, stop whining about the Native Americans. The Europeans came and they had better weapons and they killed them. That's just what happens. Some nations conquer other nations. Stop whining about it. It happened a long time ago. It just is what it is. Adopting a very cold, kind of realist view of history just saying, you know, get get over it. It happened. It's what history is about. You can't change it now. So just deal with it. And again, it's fun to have these perspectives portrayed. You have Willow saying, no, we should re remember the past and acknowledge it and try to atone for it. Spike saying the past is the past. Both interesting perspectives. And you could set up a cool debate between these characters. But again, it's it seems like watching the episode, you're meant to view Willow as obnoxious and view Spike as the straight talking guy who says it like it is. And I don't know if I was misinterpreting that, but that was always the vibe I got from it. So just an interesting episode, an interesting idea, just the whole thing, just the, the only show I can think of where they do a Thanksgiving episode where they specifically acknowledge these things happened, but then sort of dismiss them and seemingly end with the message, get over it. It's kind of like, you know, so why'd you guys bring it up in the first place? Anyway, just those are my thoughts there. Interesting episode. And just fun that it raises this topic and fun to see these things acknowledged in a Thanksgiving episode. It's not all pumpkin pie and turkeys. There's also a lot of dark history surrounding Thanksgiving and the pilgrim Native American dynamic. So that's fun. But it was still an odd way to go about portraying it in this episode. But at any rate, still a lot of fun. I will be rewatching the episode for Thanksgiving. Definitely recommend it. Now, having said all that, having done something that's at least a little bit Thanksgiving-y for this episode, I now leave you with some of the content that got cut from my discussion with my brother Adam. Enjoy. You had some thoughts on the X-Files episode I did recently with our mutual friend, John Locchiato uh, yes. of, of, the door, of the Dork Web. Check that out. Yes, um, yes. Uh, so what, what were your thoughts? So, yeah, I was just 
thinking about all the episodes that you guys had mentioned after I listened to the podcast, I actually went home and watched Arcadia and uh, Humbug. Nice. Those those two were on my list, right? Yeah, those two were on your list. I remember the host. Um, I used to watch a lot of X Files. I do remember the host, but I would have to say, and I'm surprised that none of my top three weren't mentioned because I feel like they should be in everyone's top three, and if they're not, then they're just wrong. So, DPO. DPO. That there. That's a that's a good one. It does not. It does not make my my best of list. But DPO is a good episode. Why is that on your top three? Well, I mean, I'm just going to preface by uh, my top three list. I do enough thinking during the day that when I'm watching a TV show, I try not to really like think critically about myself, uh, <laughs> the universe, um, you know, existential things that I have no control over. We, we are very different people. <laughs> yeah, I just want to be entertained for a half hour. I just want to, you know, just sit back and relax. You know, just, you know, unwind at the end of the day and enjoy myself. So, GPO, it reminds me of the, the old days when there were arcades and you could just go in and play video games to your heart's content. They had all the great ones and stuff Right, like and in, in the background here, this is the one a kid, like, what was he, gets struck by lightning and then he gets, like, electricity, electricity powers? Yes, so, yeah, the character gets struck by lightning, kind of... Small town kind yeah. of kid, not kind of a really, red rednecky kind of kid. Rednecky, not really going anywhere. Just gonna kind of stay in the same town, work at the same garage. Kind of not not that there's anything wrong with that lifestyle, but yeah, he doesn't really have great dreams of grandeur. But he is always playing at the arcade, like always beating every um, top score every single time, breaking records. And his best friend, who works at the arcade, is Jack Black. Right, a great. Random performance from Jack from Jack Black in X Files. That was re- it was really it was really fun. He does a good job with that. Yep, a young Jack Black <laughs> in his prime, and it was just yeah, it was just a fun episode. There are reports of people. That's after I say it's a fun episode. There are reports of people dying uh, in the town, <laughs> <laughs> being electrocuted, um, very randomly. The town's very famous for lightning storms. And they think that that's some sort of coincidence, but it's because this kid can harness electricity and channel it into essentially a lightning bolt. Right. And I, re- I remember the episode gets creepy, right? Because becomes a like the kid becomes obsessed with like the wife of his boss or something, and then like basically starts stalking her. Yeah, he starts stalking her. He, so he works at a garage um, for this guy, and he becomes obsessed with his boss's wife. And he at one point in the episode. Is sitting at a busy intersection, a dangerous intersection, and switches the lights off, the traffic lights, in a way that causes his boss to get into a bad car accident. And I don't believe he dies in that episode, like his boss. Yeah, I think he survives. But everything really starts to come to a head at that point. Right. And he just gets struck by lightning again. Does that one have a happy ending? Do they, they like, catch him, right? Or does he get killed when he gets struck by lightning again or something? Yeah, I think he just gets killed when he gets struck by lightning again. Okay. Yeah, it does definitely doesn't have a happy ending, but I just always enjoyed it because of primarily Jack Black. Uh, yeah, J- Jack Black is, is great. Back when Jack Black was in his, like, Jim Carrey phase, like, early Jim Carrey phase, like, I'm just going to be ridiculous and goofy, and you're going to enjoy it. Yeah. Before it became, I'm going to try to do serious dramatic roles. Yeah. All right, that's a good choice. Not my top three, but definitely, like, my top ten. What about your other two? Number two is Genderbender. Yeah, now you told me this, and I was thinking, this is, of your top three, this is the only one where I'm like, I don't know anyone that puts this in their, like, best of list. This is a 
weird choice to me. Not that it's a bad episode, but it was like, I had to stop and think about it for a second because it just does not usually come up in best of list. It's not what I think of. So why is this one on your list? Well, it's set in Massachusetts and... Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, and it is essentially... The premise is it's an Amish community that has been around for hundreds of years. And on their land, there is a cavern that gives them the power to regenerate themselves, rejuvenate themselves, to live eternally. But they also have the ability to change their genders right. and with power of pheromones. Right. So, I, And I can't remember, are these like separate things going on or are they tied together? Like, do they change genders when they... Or, or they change sexes, te- actually. They, they, become, they go from male to female and female yes. to male. So they, do they change sexes when they regenerate, or is this a separate power they have? I can't remember. This is a separate power they have. So okay. essentially, yeah, it, it starts off with this one of the members who escapes. I mean, picture it as like an, an Amish 16th birthday party where they can go out and like enjoy the world. <laughs> right, uh, Rumspringer, I think it's called. Yeah, Rumspringer. It starts off at a hotel room, and this girl is engaging in adult acts with some guy that she picked up at a bar but apparently he overdoses on pheromones and dies <laughs> and then as she's leaving the hotel room she changed back into a male sex so that's how it starts off and then, and then it's, kind of, it's kind of just a murder mystery right like they're trying to find the person who's responsible but it's hard when they can keep changing their right. biological identity right and when scully and Mulder first get there um they're in the town's general store not part of the amish community but they're in the general store and Mulder actually notices in some of the photographs that there are old photographs from like the early 1900s of some of the Amish members in that community. And he starts to notice that the people that he's walking around that he's seen are the same people in that photograph. Right. So he's making the connection that those people aren't going anywhere. They're still right. sticking around. And remind me, is there an alien connection to this? Does it turn out they're aliens or is it just that they're a weird group of Amish people who found this weird thing that regenerates them and they got these weird powers so it turns out they are aliens okay they are aliens. like after their cover is blown they have to leave and they have to take that kid back with them right 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 so so they're trying to track him down meanwhile Mulder and Scully are trying to track down the murderer same person but eventually they catch him in the back alley they teleport somewhere at the end right right very uh yeah so that's an interesting choice I don't like I said, I can't think of many people who have that on a best of list, but it is a good episode. And interesting to go back and watch that now with modern political stuff when trans rights and transgender-related issues are a thing. Like an episode that deals explicitly with questions of sex and gender and so on. It's interesting to go back and watch that again. It certainly is. The main reason why I like the episode is I always viewed it as Mulder and Scully visit... If I could type up the synopsis on, like, Kulu, I would basically describe it as Skulder and Molly visit an Amish community of wolverines. <laughs> That's essentially what it is. They're surviving throughout the ages. They can kill people with, I don't know, a touch, and they just have super mutant powers. And it, it, It's basically just wolverine going on their rum chata. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah. I, yeah, one more side note. And actually, the, the premise of that episode also reminds me of an episode of the TV show Angel, which was the spinoff of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I don't know if you were ever into that, but there's an early episode of Angel where Angel and his team are tracking a serial killer, but they they discover what it is, is this weird little demon 
creature that's basically just a worm, like a giant worm, that like burrows into a person's body and controls them, and then keeps going out and having sex with people, and then afterwards burrows out of the old body into the new one. And so that's why they can't find the the, the killer, because he keeps... Cha- he, he keeps changing every victim they find was the previous body and so it's there's a there's a a sex swapping thing because he keep he keeps picking up different people in the bar as he adopts new bodies and goes goes back and forth and they're looking for him so a very similar premise yeah that's kind of i don't know i just thought of that as like a reverse like patient zero covid like <laughs> like not who's the person before who's the next person like right 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 kind of yep wow yeah. Oh, okay. That. So that's an that's an interesting pick. I like that one. And what's your number three? Uh, or are we going forwards or backwards? It was is. Uh, oh, this is my number one. There, where this is your number one yeah. now. Okay. I went in the same format that you guys did during gotcha. the podcast. I figured I'd follow the same. Gotcha. Um, number one episode is definitely X Cops. Yeah. This is this is like from like season seven, right? This is like the last season before Mulder split. Yeah. It's it's definitely one of the older seasons. It's season seven and. It's a blend of X Files and Cops. Right, it, right. It starts right. off with this is. I remember this is back when Cops was like big on Fox. Like yeah. everybody was watching Cops. Exactly. It's the height of Cops, and the episode just starts off with. I feel. Does it start off with the cop responding? Either way. Yeah, the very I think. Beginning. I think it, it. really is shot like cop style. Yeah, it's like, also it's, like huh, bad boys. Yeah, and it goes through the entire cops intro. Yes. With pictures of like with scenes of Scalder and Molly. This is the second time. Skull- <laughs> this is the second time you've Skulder done it. Scalder and Molly. Mulder and Scully. <laughs> I, don't worry, I talk English good. Mulder and Scully in the opening and in the intro scenes, and I just love how they find him too, just because um, like they're looking for it. They're looking for gang members because that's what the guys said, which also it, I just feel like is very telling of the LAPD. Right, right, right. Yeah, you know, the guy sees one thing and he's like, uh, gang members. Yep. And then all of a sudden, without dropping a head, dropping a beat, it's just all APB, all a, like, yep, yep. looking for gang members. Yeah, yeah there's definitely, there's... What I gang? Don't... Definitely is, com- I feel like you could use it as commentary because, like, Mulder is originally thinks he's looking for a werewolf because that's what the guy that died saw. Right. But then they respond to this woman who's freaking out. They have the sketch artist show up. The guy draws Freddy Cougar. So all of a sudden, Freddy Cougar's the one clawing out the house, and it shows that the marks on the door. Yep. But then the cop goes around, and he actually sees the Wasp Man. Oh right, which right, was right. a monster that his brothers used to a story that his brothers used to scare him with when he was younger. It was basically like a mouth of stingers and stuff like that, and that's why his hand it looks like he just got stung a bunch of times by a wasp when it got him at the very beginning. But at the very beginning of the episode, his car gets flipped over and totaled several times. Just you know, as cars do. Yeah. <laughs> and, and and he says that it's gang members. Yep. Essentially, you know, because LAPD has a problem with roving gang members rolling cars around, you yep. know, like a bunch of white people after they won the Stanley Cup. <laughs> like, like, I'm pretty sure rolling cars over is something that's like, it, it's a victory celebration. It's never like done in anger. Not on an individual basis, at least. Yeah, not, in, on, not on an individual basis. But, um, yeah, the... So he's afraid to say that it was the Wasp Man. So he says that it's gang members. And all of a sudden... Oh, that's like, right. That's right. Four cruisers, like 12 cops, all with their guns out, like waving in the air. Just like, we got to find gang members. No descriptions. No, like, you know, yep, a guy's yep. six foot two wearing XYZ. You know, he looks like this. He's wearing glasses. Answers to the name of Waldo. Like, you know, 
it's just let's just go roaming around the streets until we find some individuals and then yep so then eventually they find Mulder and Scully right creeping around right 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 yeah that one that one was fun that one was uh, it was weird but it was fun and I appreciate that they really did commit to the cops bit like it is entirely filmed like clearly using like the same cameras in the same film as cops like it really does just look like an episode of cops yeah and like the entire time Mulder's trying to get the truth out and Scully's just telling the camera guys to use a different car get out of their face Right, right, right. And I just remember also, I, rem- I remember the episode being great for the gay couple who keep, who oh, keep, fight, keep, the keep fighting with each other, like, the whole episode. The best part of the episode. Like, they show up at the back of the house because they feel like they're the connection and the monster's going to go after them next. And they're like, and they can, there's this whole commotion is because they're fighting. And so yep, I feel yep. like, we're not scared. I mean, we're not going anywhere. Like, yep. Like, this is where I'm staying. They're the only ones that are, like, rocks in the entire show. Yeah. Like, that entire episode, everyone's flailing around trying to figure out what's going on, and they're just like, yes, they have a domestic dispute. <laughs> Who doesn't? You know? And it happens to the best of us. But they're like, no. A monster? No. Get out of here with that nonsense. Yeah, they were a sweet couple. Those are those are good picks. Thank and, you. And, and, and covering the complete range of the series, you've got a season one episode and a season seven episode, and then one in the middle. That's, a, that, that's a good mix. I do it All right, thank you for thank you for sharing those. Hey, you're welcome. You're welcome. And one other, one other thing, you think you're gonna play um, Mass Effect? Yes. Okay. So you've never played it before, right? No, I played it. You have? I've never beat it, but I've definitely played it. So what are your thoughts now? So going in, like you're going to restart. You haven't started playing it again yet. What are your thoughts? Well, first off, like I was telling you earlier, I was. Uh, when you were talking about the Krogans, they remind me of that Simpsons scene. Oh, yeah, Skinner. yeah. Like, oh, we'll use the Krogans to deal with this. And then we'll use this... The genophage is the Genofa- virus. Yeah. yeah, we'll use genophage to deal with the Krogans. And then <laughs> it's like, oh, what are we going to do in the towns overrun by lizards? We'll release snakes that eat the lizards. What are we going to do about the snakes? Well, we're going to release mountain gorillas that eat the snakes. But then the town's going to be overrun by gorillas. Well, that's the beautiful part. In the winter, all the gorillas freeze to death. <laughs> like, all right, <laughs> Yeah, a contingency plan for everything. But, yeah, going into it, I think... The thing that sticks out most to me is it's kind of got... A, it reminds me of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, specifically, what was it, Mon? Manan. Manan. That, the water planet... Yep. ...where they were neutral and just humans are kind of... Like, they have their own little set up and, like, their own government. And, like, humans right. are kind of just, like, obeying the rules, going along with the flow. They have some pull, but... At the end of the day, they're still kind of. That's it. That's an interesting way of looking at it, and also interesting that it's that both games made by Bioware, and they, and Bioware, I mean, they're known for kind of going back to the same tropes over and over again. So that's interesting. I didn't think of that element of it, but yeah, Manon kind of gives a, a preview of that kind of thing. What if we put humanity in a position where they're not quite calling the shots and they have to negotiate with somebody else. Although, I mean, it's a little different in that in Mass Effect, humanity joins this community and they're notably weaker than the great powers, than the Salarians and the Turians and the Asari. In the case of Manon, it's not that the Selkath are more powerful militarily or technologically. It's just they have access to that, that resource, uh, Kalto, that's like used for healing. And it's like, okay, we can't piss off the Selkath because they're just going to like go underwater and destroy their supply of this 
this thing we need and then we're screwed. Right. And so it's not like a one for one comparison, but that's just the feel that I get out of it. Kind of like you're going into it not on your turf, not on your terms. Kind of you're, mm-hmm. you're going into it as the underdog and you need to watch your P's and Q's. Right. Because there's already, there's already an established system that you need to follow. We're not going to rewrite the rules for you just because you're in the game now. Right. I, li- I like that way. I like that way of looking at it. That's I, I did not make that connection before. And in fact, it, it's funny. I remember, I haven't, I haven't played it in years, but I remember Manon was like my favorite part of the original Knights of the Old Republic game. That was, I think, my most fun planet, just in general, because there was much more political stuff going on. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You had to solve the murder. Oh, that, the murder trap. You had to get that, Sonny off. Yeah, well, and then... Because <laughs> he was fooling around with the... With the Sith lady. With the Sith. Were you were you able to um to to get him acquitted? Yeah. 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 Did you ever like? Let me ask you. Did you did you ever uncover like the secret hidden ending, like the extra background stuff there? I'm pretty sure he was a spy. She was a spy. They double crossed each other. He was still working for the Republic, but I'm probably missing something. Yeah. So I believe it's, and again, I haven't played this in a long time, but I remember. If you have your like computer skill high enough, you can like hack into a secret room in the Republic Embassy and find security footage that reveals, in fact, Sonny did do it. Sonny did mur- did murder the woman, and I think it's it's not even political stuff. It's like they were having an affair, and he found out she was using him, and he was angry about it, and he kills her. And like you have to kind of like like it's possible to get him acquitted and then break in. And see that footage, and like you helped get a killer set free, and you have to live with that. And I, I think a lot of people don't even discover that because you have to like specifically seek out this ro- this hidden room, and have you have like completely maxed out that one skill to be able to access that room. So I don't think a lot of people get it. But yeah, it is possible to just find that and be like, oh, I you know, oops. <laughs> I mean, well, even without that special footage, the evidence does point that way. Fair. But at the end of the day, it's like, well, she was a Sith. He was a Republic war hero. Yep. Things and, happen. You know. And he, I mean, he's entitled to a fair trial. He's entitled to a defense. Right. Although it's it's a case where I, I don't know what Manon's laws are, but in, in general, the laws, if you uncover evidence of a crime, you're required to turn it over. Like, if you find this stuff, you're supposed to, you really should have turned the evidence over to the other side. But, but yeah, I mean, he's entitled to a fair trial. And that... That is a that is a fun quest line because you yeah you just get to go around and gather evidence and interview a whole bunch of people and then go through the trial and all the judges and like oh this judge is leaning this way and this judge cares about this aspect of it and so on that was so much fun. Yep, you gotta break like breaking into the Sith base, going underwater. That was that and that was they pulled that off and made that creepy as hell. Like you're going uh, you're going under and then all the cell cath down there have gone crazy. Yeah, all of that, all of that is great. And then it's the one of Bioware's like two puzzles that they redo over and over again. They oh, give the you die the diehard puzzle. Yep, the die the diehard with the vengeance puzzle. Yep, the three gallon <laughs> tank and the five gallon tank. Yep. If you've watched Die Hard with a Vengeance or you've played uh, or played Nice Little Republic, you know this puzzle. Honestly, anyone that uses that puzzle from now on is just asking for trouble. Like, I don't know. I don't know who would still use that puzzle. Bioware would. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That puzzle and that something pyramid, the one where you have the the three columns and you have the 
the rings of varying sizes making a pyramid you have to move all the rings oh, over yeah. to the other without putting a bigger one on top of a smaller one and they can't go over to or no they can go over to yeah you can't just can't put a bigger one on top of a smaller one yeah oh yeah yeah, that puzzle. They have used that in, like, every game they've ever made and continue to use it. Well, I feel like, I mean, maybe it was just growing up, you know, dealing with the riddles that Dad would pose with the uh, the farmer trying to get to market with the fox, the chicken, oh, and the Oh, yep, seed. yep, classic. You know, it's just like when you're dealing with those types of riddles growing up, it's, you look at that stuff and it's just, meh. Yep. Total, total side note, by the way, but um, I discovered on, on YouTube, if you know, um, like, TED Talks and, and all that, they have a separate thing if you like go to like the YouTube TED Talk channel. They're called TED Ed, I think. And there's there's a whole series of logic puzzles like that. Oh, okay. Um, and with like little cartoons to accompany them and good stuff. If and if you want puzzles, like logic puzzles, th- those are those are fun. You can look those up on YouTube. Oh nice. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. So gone to some serious dark holes with YouTube lately. Yeah. Oh my god. So one quick side note, and I think you would find this interesting. It's essentially, it's a compilation, but it's a group that do, did multiple videos. It's a compilation that I found. It's how you would survive each horror movie character. And like, I found this video a little too late, right before, right after Halloween. But it was basically like. Is this one of those, like, how to survive all the traps and saw, that kind of thing? How to survive the traps and saw, but also, like, how to defeat Freddy Krueger, Jason, Pinhead. Yeah, and, like, how to, like, the most effective ways and stuff like that. I don't know, I just found it. Yeah, yeah, those are fun. Yeah, speaking of horror stuff, you know what I just finished rewatching for Halloween? Uh, Cabin in the Woods. Oh, which re- which remains my like favorite horror movie of all time. It's not even exactly a horror movie, it's more of a commentary on horror movies. Yeah, it was like a send off. Yeah, it was, but it was so good. Oh, it was fantastic. And uh, Channing Tatum. Yeah, yeah, Channing Tatum, like, before... No, it wasn't Channing Tatum, it was Chris no, Hemsworth. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. Chris, yeah, Chris Hemsworth before the the Thor fame. <laughs> yeah, before it was actually Chris Hemsworth. Yeah. <laughs> he just... <laughs> he thought he was going to make that jump. <laughs> he, he didn't. I love the build-up to that, too. Just the swelling music. <laughs> I'm and... going to get the army, and I'm yeah. going to get someone. We're going to kill all them. Yeah. Kaplunk. <laughs> yeah. That was, oh, that was uh, so good. All right. Sorry. Back, yeah, uh, back to back to Mass Effect. So going so going back in, yeah, you're getting like Manon from Knights of the Old Republic vibes. Any other thoughts going uh, going into it? I mean, I, I'm just trying to remember everything that I can from the games. Yeah. It's one of those, like, I know it's just like Knights of the Old Republic. You get like a member from each of the different races and like yep yep you put together a crew each one represents a different you know trope and a different race and faction and so on yep yeah and the way i, I don't know I'm, i think i'm going into it trying to look at it as like like you were saying it's like humanity found them on their on, like we found them on our terms yep as opposed to the other way around where i feel like if they found us it would be a very different story we'd be more we'd either be not like eliminated or enslaved but because we had the technology we were able to find them yeah it's like all right they can stick around but like let's yeah not well again it's i, I just I, I love it because it puts it puts humanity in this very unique position like we're just powerful enough that we're not beneath notice right. but not so powerful that we're going to be taken seriously right exactly it's kind of like the younger brother that it's like my mom made me you know made you take me along yeah, yeah. Different places. You know, like, I'm, I'm there. You have to respect that I'm there. <laughs> but, like, you're not 
up to par with everyone else in the room. <laughs> like, yeah, you can play Risk with everyone, but you're just kind of like the patsy that we're going to use <laughs> to build our forces and like create like yeah. a little buffer. Well, it's interesting because that is how some characters view what's happening. Well, I'm not going to spoil any, anything for you. But yeah, it's interesting that you th- that you view things that way. But okay, um, you don't which you know which um, character class you're gonna do? Probably a soldier. Yeah, just imagine. just straight up soldier. That is, same as always. Yep, soldier. I remember soldier makes combat way easier, and I will. And I've and I said in when I talked about the game on my show before, the combat is really crappy. It's you you play the game for the conversations for the story. The combat is rough, and soldier makes it at least a little bit easier because you've got all the good weapons and you can just just spray bullets and knock stuff down playing some of the other classes it's it's tough this yeah i've, I've never been one to get fancy with <laughs> combat and i'm sure people out there won't consider it fancy but if you use magic it's fancy <laughs> if you use bows and arrows it's fancy if you use i don't know, like see i always go sniper rifle like like the biotech sniper rifle or like the biotech i don't know I, I don't know if that was part of Mass Effect. Bi- biotic. Biotic. There you yep. go. Biotic. That's, that's their space magic. Yeah, biotic. Like, if you use that, I don't know. That's fancy. Yep. I'm like Leroy Jenkins. <laughs> you know, and I'm always, I'm the, like, I'm the dwarf. Like, I just grab yep. a hammer and I run and smash him. Like, that's that's when, an old reference. When I, when I play Skyrim, like, I'm the Nord with the axe and the shield. Yep, yep. I just, uh, just, I just want to smash him. The only way I can get through the day with this happy demeanor is to really bury all the pent up stress and rage that I experience. So these games are very therapeutic in the sense that I get to release that rage, and I just can't do it with fireballs. I gotta do it with swinging an axe and and shooting or shooting an assault a rifle. shotgun or assault rifle. You yep. know, fair enough. Yeah, you know, I don't want to, you know one shot. Pew! All right, it's done. I just I'm like plap 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 plap. I want someone to hold me back being like, he's gone. He's gone. Yeah. Stop. Stop. <laughs> he's already dead. <laughs> Kill you five times before you hit the ground. <laughs> Made a lot of random Simpsons references this, this week. That is true. I don't know why. Because they, they work for everything. They really do. They've been on for two friggin' decades. They're, they, they, they've done everything. Uh, all right. So not nothing else we can really, really say before you get into the game. But I definitely want to hear your thoughts more... Once you get into it again, you refresh your memory, what the story's about, the different factions and locations. But yeah, in, enjoy. I can't wait to hear your thoughts on it. Again, one of my favorite games of all time. And then oh, the sequels excited. kind of ruined it. But Oh, I'm excited. Uh, yeah, this is definitely just going to be the next chapter on the retro game journey I've been taking lately. Yeah, what else have you been doing? Oh, God. Escape from Monkey Island. Um, oh, classic. Heroes of Might and Magic. Yep. Uh, well, uh, three. Three. Yep. Of course, three. <laughs> <laughs> Is there any? I need to get Armageddon's Blade expansion. You can pick all, all that up on uh, GOG. GOG? Yep. Okay. I got it through Steam. Oh, that works too. But, um, and then Civ Six. That's not really that old. I, I went back and um, played that recently, and I spent like, I finally spent like a whole night playing through it and um, finally won. This is a game I play off and on every once in a while, but I never like get to the end of a game. I always get bored with it or get frustrated halfway through. I finally finished and got a cultural victory with uh, Rome. Oh, nice. It was, it was fun. It's uh, yeah. I feel like a cultural victory, that's kind of the one I just kind of fell into, but it's kind of yeah. boring and anticlimactic. It's just all of a sudden, hey, you got enough tourists, you win. It's not, you know, watching a rocket or destroying, the, you know, your last drive. Well, it just kind of ends... Well, that's why I like to use either 
Greece or Gilgamesh? Oh, the Sumerians. The Sumerians. Because Sparta, you get culture bonuses for having a strong military. Every unit you kill gives you culture. Yep. Gilgamesh, you can build those little plus one science. Right, right, right. And as you increase science, you can build stronger armies. So it kind of plays into that. You can kind of change it into, well, which one am I going to get first? Am I going to get domination first or am I going to get culture first? Yeah. So if you set up culture or science in a way that you're going to proceed to win, it, it all of a sudden becomes a race where like you're not trying to beat the others. You're trying to beat yourself. Nice. Like, nice. can I destroy the world before I reach <laughs> the moon? Or nice. can I destroy the world before I have everyone's artifacts? Nice, nice. Yeah. Yeah, I should... Uh, they, they released... I know they've done a few expansions for that. Have you played any of those? I haven't. There was one for Australia. Um, I did the one where they brought back, was it Loyalty? Influence? The most recent one I played was one where they had Influence. Okay. So, like, if you take over a country, older Civ editions, if you took over a country, or an area, a city, rather, that was yours. Yep. But now, with the edition that I'm playing, if you take it over, you need to hold it, or you need to have an extremely strong culture. A more superior uh, culture than the person you're taking over. So, like, if someone's at a higher age than you, and you yep. take them over, then the people, like, like in the real world, it's like, oh, well. It's like, it's like if the, the, the barbarians are taking over. The barbarians over. take over Rome. It's like the yep. Romans are sitting around saying, well, wait a minute. Like, we're Rome. Yep. This is ridiculous. So, you yep. get a lot of pushback as opposed to, like. Okay. That's, yeah. a, that's a good addition. Yeah. And, uh, but the newest one has natural disasters. Oh, and climate change, right? Climate change and the UN. Oh, okay. So I'm not sure how the UN plays into it. I'm sure they just muddle everything up as usual. But, uh, you know, now nah, I'm kidding. The UN is, they're cool. <laughs> they're cool. Yeah. Okay, so that's um, any other old games you've been going through? Honestly, I want to play Oblivion again. Oh, that was my favorite of... The, the Elder Scrolls games? I wish that they would stop remastering Skyrim every five flipping years and just remaster Oblivion once. They're not going to. I know, because they suck and they hate us. Yeah, well, I, I think there's some technological thing, too. Like, you know, it's it's easier, what, you know, because um, Skyrim was for this latest generation of consoles. I I, 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 there's an explanation for it, but I know it, it does suck because Oblivion, Oblivion really was great. Like, I, I think the sto- I think the story was much better too, and the major plot lines were way better too. The um, I remember the, I haven't played in a long time, but I remember like the, the thieves guild quest in Skyrim sucks. Oh yeah, you're still in the eye of the Falmer. Yeah, and you have which to beat is, that guy to the eye of the yeah, Falmer. It's not even it's not even th- it's not even theft. Like it's 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 dungeon it's, it, it's dungeon raiding. It's yeah. It, like like yeah. I don't I think you steal like a total of like two things over the course of the entire Thieves Guild quest, not to mention all the other ridiculous stuff with it from what I can remember. But like Oblivion, the Thieves Guild quest, is a series of cool heists working up to, spoiler, you steal an Elder Scroll. Like you steal like the titular thing of the series. Like that's cool. And you become the Grey Fox. Yes, yes, you become the Grey Fox and you get that weird hood where you put, every time you put it on, like people forget you exist. Yeah, yeah. Yep. But, it, but you can take it off. Right, right. Because you broke the, the curse, the curse yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, that was so that was so good. The uh, Assassin's Guild quest is really good in that too, with a cool so like much a cool. It didn't have some weird gesture. Yeah, a, a good corpse. good plot twist, a good double cross. I just remember 
Oblivion had like the, the Assassin Quest where it was basically you get to play a slasher in a slasher flick. Like you're in a, they lock you in a house. Oh, you with have to a, take everyone out. Yeah. And you have to like convince everyone that it wasn't you. Yeah, like you, tr- you try to trick people to get going alone into different rooms and kill them and then you leave and let them find the body and yeah. Oh my God, that was, yeah. See, that's the thing. Oblivion was so much better and if we can put a man on the moon, <laughs> we can remaster Oblivion. Yeah. I refuse to believe in any new generations, blah, blah, blah. Look, we have the technology. We have the capabilities. It's just a matter of applying yourselves. Yeah. And I hope that this podcast is a swift kick that those yeah, gents I, I, need. I, I'm, I'm certain Zenimax and Bethesda and all of these guys are listening to this podcast right now. And they're, they're plead, making this. Yeah. I plead with their sense of decency and humanity <laughs> for all that is good in this world. This is what we need right now. With all the chaos and turmoil, we just need something like this. And honestly, I think we could achieve anything if they remaster yeah. Oblivion. Remaster Oblivion, you cowards. Yeah, you, you won't. <laughs> no, 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 I take that back. I didn't, I didn't mean it like that. Oh, crap. All right, yeah, we're cutting that. Uh, yeah. yeah, remaster but, Oblivion. But it's just, it's and, and it was so much better because it was much more inclusive. It was much more diverse. Like, sure everyone had their own cities and everyone like went to their own corners but it was a nice blend you know you had the argonians you had the kajiks you had the nords up north still yeah like, yeah but like skyrim it's like oh let's go to this town what's this town like yeah bigoted nords yeah all right and let's just, go to this just, town. just more snow and mountains yeah let's go to this mountain huh a troll yep a bear all right well more racist nords all right yeah, yeah, uh, it's... That's all it is. And it's a shame, because I think we, we both like to play Nords, and you think, oh, Skyrim, set in Nord country, that's, that's cool, but then it just gets boring. Like, it's it's cool if you're, like, the lone Nord in some other land, exploring and meeting all these characters, but when you're a Nord with a bunch of other Nords, and it's just Nords all the time, Nords fighting each other, it's, it's, it just gets boring. Except for the Dark Elf, where, like, you're not allowed oh, to go to, like, half the cities. Oh right, yeah, yeah, the, the, that whole plot. Like, the, the whole thing's bad. Yeah, it's like if you if you want to stand up against the Empire and like free Skyrim, Skyrim for the Nords. It's like make Skyrim great again. That's essentially their platform. It's make Skyrim great again. Get rid of all the foreigners and the people that came in here. All the Almeri Dominion. Well, to to be fair, the the the, the Almeri have like colonized Skyrim. It is. It, this isn't peaceful integration. This is, we came in with, with weapons and we're going to force you to swear allegiance to us. All right. I mean, they weren't there. Nords weren't very receptive to anyone else to begin <laughs> with. Let's, I'll just, yeah. And then Windhelm, the leader, Ulfric Stormcloak, he, he's literally segregated his city between the Nords in the nice area and then the elves and the dregs. So I don't remember slums. this. See, I, I don't think I ever got that far into the game. Oh, it's brutal. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, I'm still a Nord, and like, I don't know. I <laughs> I overthrow the Empire because it's like the underdog and revolution, and hey, all right, take our land back. But God, it makes you feel like an asshole for doing it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I. Like they don't do themselves any favors. That's for sure. I I think Bethesda has gone downhill so much since since Oblivion. I think the, the the Fallout games have gotten worse too, and now we've got Fallout seventy six, which I haven't checked out, but I'm I'm f- hearing very bad things about flaming pile of garbage. Yeah, it was horrible. Did you play it? Yes, for a whopping like hour. 
Yeah. And I was like, never again. Uh, Maybe I did didn't you... give it enough time, but. Nah, it sounds like you gave it enough time. <laughs> I just, I, I wish they get they they give this stuff back to Obsidian. Uh, Obsidian is still the company I'm I'm in love with. I loved um, Knights of the Old Republic two better than the original. Yeah. I, New New Vegas is my favorite game. Just the Obsidian Alpha Protocol, which nobody remembers because nobody played, remains one of my absolute favorite games of all time. And all their games are buggy as hell and weird and broken, but they're all beautiful little flawed gems. And I just love that. And I wish someone would give Obsidian a bunch of money and let them do really cool stuff. And it just continues to not happen. See, that's the thing. I would prefer something that's flawed but beautiful as opposed to just okay well like bethesda they get they spend too much time making sure that the water looks like water but the storyline is just yeah okay yeah any any last thoughts any other games you're playing anything else before we break not really not that i can think of all right cool well thanks again for talking we are going to talk again soon about mass effect and some other stuff love to get you on an episode sometime with uh john locchiato too maybe the three of us can talk about some stuff oh i'd love to see lucho yeah old so-and-so all right all right we're gonna talk we're gonna talk again soon yeah oh absolutely all right bye everybody bye hey everybody i hope you all enjoyed that i just like to close this week by saying in the spirit of thanksgiving I'd like to thank everybody who is taking the time to download and listen to this show. I started doing this a few months ago and I didn't know how it was going to go and I've been loving it so far. I've had fun sharing my thoughts on random sci-fi and fantasy and politics topics. I've had some really great conversations with friends and other cool people and I appreciate that people have been checking it out. I can see based on how many downloads I'm getting that I definitely have listeners beyond friends and family so I know there are strangers out there who have taken a chance on listening to the show and I'd like to thank you for giving it a shot I'd like to thank you for listening and I'll just add that I'm aware I have some international listeners now and I just think it's so cool that we live in an age where some random dude in Massachusetts in the United States can say some stuff on the internet and people on the other side of the planet can hear it and think about it. That is so cool to me. So I just want to thank all of you for giving this a chance and listening. Special hello and thank you to my international listeners. And by the way, if you're out there and listening, I'd love to hear from you, especially if you're outside the United States. I'd love to hear how you stumbled across my show, what you think of this crazy American and his weird political and nerd ideas. Love to hear from you all. Thank you again for listening. Please continue to check this show out. Be in touch with me on social media. As always, Twitter, at Social Sci-Fi Show, Facebook, Social Science Fiction Podcast, Instagram, social underscore sci underscore fi, and you can email me at socialsciencefictionshow at gmail.com. Big thanks to everybody. Happy Thanksgiving to those of you celebrating. Have a nice week, and see you all next week.